Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So I told you all the other day that I think we've seen a little bit of a change in Georgia over the last year or so in that if you could imagine the biggest possible game that Georgia could play for a long time, I think almost anyone would say, hey, that's the Alabama Crimson Tide. You understand kind of why that is. Alabama has been the measuring stick, not just for the SEC, but in all of college football. And for Georgia, that idea of measuring itself against Alabama, I think, took on an extra level of poignance for a couple of reasons. First of all, it started to be kind of a long time since Georgia had beaten Alabama until the 2021 season. The last win for Georgia against the Tide before that was in Nick Saban's first season of 2007. And as you're well aware, you don't need me to remind you, but some of the losses kind of along the string of that streak unfortunately had been heartbreakers 2012 sec championship 2017 national championship game 2018 sec championship game and so that created a little bit of extra energy around the idea of georgia playing alabama and then to make i guess the intensity even seem more profound was the fact that georgia's head coach kirby smart had been a protege of nick saban's alabama and kind of come to uga and the uh, narrative originally kind of cast around him is oh he's going to try to build georgia into alabama's image now since then i think we've seen kirby smart kind of establish his own identity his own image and in some respects having a level of success uh maybe the future anyway that that even nick saban was able to have especially if georgia can go for three and 23 but but for a for a while it was certainly the biggest game that georgia could play would be against alabama now maybe that's still true that's at least a possibility that it is one of the things you've heard me suggest in the past though in terms of the actual current temperature of georgia fans the current energy that exists around this program you know i'm not quite so sure you know how true that really is anymore i think right now and it wouldn't you wouldn't call this a rivalry necessarily but but there is a certain competitive rivalry i guess there's an intensity uh, around this it kind of relates to georgia and ohio state ohio state fans uh certainly have had plenty to say since georgia beat the buckeyes in the peach bowl along the way to a national championship this past season it was in a lot of ways one of the defining moments for georgia in the season certainly a lot more drama related to that national semifinal game than there was the uh, national championship uh we, we we certainly understand that that was kind of the game that won it for georgia the national championship was what was it you learned in english class kind of a denouement to all of the uh, rest of the uh the the action there georgia ohio state was was kind of the kind of the big deal and the big moment at least in the eyes of buckeyes fans of this big win for georgia is late in the game in which javon bullard who really made a name for himself in the postseason a year ago made a big hit on marvin harrison jr to dislodge the football from harrison and preserve a chance for georgia to win this game unfortunately harrison was injured on the play ohio state buckeyes fans thought there should be a targeting call on that initially the call was made uh, however uh after review it was correctly overturned and Georgia went on to win the game you hate the idea of anybody getting hurt in any moment during a football game injuries obviously a part of the game nonetheless though Harrison got hurt on this play uh, but it wasn't a dirty play it wasn't even an illegal play it was just a physical play and sometimes in physical play you have uh, you have you know injuries that take play so since this moment as you're very well aware georgia fans and ohio state fans have sort of seen the bullard hit on harrison very very different for a lot of georgia fans the bullard hit kind of rep- uh, represents the physical nature of what Georgia's is all about the willingness to keep fighting no matter how much georgia may have faced a deficit early in this game 
in a lot of ways, all of this kind of culminating in a big defensive play to preserve a chance at victory, Georgia fans sort of see this obviously as, as a good thing because it helped them win the game. However, Ohio State fans sort of see it uh, in, in a very different way because of the fact that Harrison got hurt, they feel like they're owed something that, that you know, the, the old line about Ryan Day being born on third base, basically kind of inheriting all the success he's had. You know, he's been given this, he's been given that. You almost get the impression from time to time that Ryan Day feels like he should be given this from the officials there as well, some sort of free pass, uh, just simply because the fact that his player got hurt on what is really, you know, nothing more than than just a football play. They think it should have been a targeting. We'll hear, we'll hear from Ryan Day more on that in a moment, but the point is here you sort of know there is a very big difference in the way that UGA fans have kind of viewed this Peach Bowl and the way that Ohio State fans have kind of viewed this Peach Bowl so perhaps to maybe kind of stir the pot here a little bit perhaps to maybe kind of sprinkle a little spice on what might be assuming that Ohio State's good enough to qualify for the game uh what might be a potential rematch between these two teams later on how about the latest NIL deal for uh Georgia terrific defensive back Javon Bullard and by the way I say defensive back here intentionally because I think for the upcoming season we're not quite so sure is Bullard still a star is he going to work at safety he's going to play a little bit of both I mean there have been some chatter that hey maybe even try him at cornerback I think that 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 Bullard would be good no matter where Georgia tries him uh but perhaps playing a little bit of safety maybe the star position one way or another he's going to be a very valuable player for Georgia as he does all of this and uh well I guess his value is being now represented in another NIL deal there is a cookie company in Athens and I want to show this to you our buddy Mark Weiser who covers the Georgia Bulldogs Athens Banner Herald putting this out on Twitter here today an nil deal for georgia football fans to eat up it's called bullard's buckeye crunch <laughs> so obviously we know that uh bullard crunched a, a few buckeyes along the way to a georgia win and i guess it's alumni cookie dough is the name of the uh, company here that's going to be selling bullard's buckeye crunch now part of the reason why it's called buckeye crunch is because familiar with the buckeyes candies like you go to the movies or something like that some people like to eat the buckeye type thing so i guess the i guess the the cookies got the buckeyes in it but obviously the uh, Buckeye crunch is going to kind of stir the pot here a little bit more for Ohio State fans who just frankly can't stop whining about the fact that Georgia beat Ohio State and the fact that uh, Georgia used a physical play from Javon Buller to be able to do that. And in fact, the chief whiner in all of this and probably the person most likely to be the most upset by the idea that, uh, that, that Javon Bullard has got his name attached to the Bullard Buckeye crunch, maybe Ohio State coach Ryan Day. We want to go back to this is like well after the season is done. This is what was it back in February or something like that, uh, you know, around signing day or, or whenever it was, you know, you had reporters out there trying to like basically egg, uh, you know, day on, you know, trying to get him fired up, trying to get him talking about this day, obviously wanted to take the bait on all this up there in Columbus, whether it be the you know supposedly objective media or day, the coach, you know, they were still really bothered by the Javon Bullard play. So the uh, Buckeye crunch cookie dough, I'm sure they're not gonna be loving this up there in Columbus. Let me give you a little taste of Ryan day as a little bit of a reminder on all this. Can I say something? ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっ
um, the officials in the Big Ten and, um, you know, had a great conversation um, with Bill. Uh, I then called at the Pac-12 to find out an explanation there. Um, the explanation that was told to me was that it wasn't forcible enough. I then asked um, to speak with uh, the head of the official, Steve Shaw. Uh, he explained to me that um, the hit um, didn't go right to Marvin's head, that it was not a force or it wasn't um, a shot right on his head. It was to the shoulder. Um, I completely disagree with that, but but that was the decision that was made, and those are the two explanations I was given. So, I mean, if you ever want to understand, like, the essence of Ryan Day, that clip right there sort of gives you everything you need to know, he starts off by saying, I've been trying to find answers about this, and nobody will tell me. And then at the end, he's like, they told me the contact wasn't to the head. That's why it's not targeting. I disagree with that. So the point is, Day says, hey, nobody will tell me why this isn't targeting. And yet every time he calls and makes one of his whiny calls about this, he gets told exactly why it isn't targeting, and yet he keeps right on calling anyway. Now, for what it's worth, Javon Bullard in this Athens Banner Herald story uh, about his new NIL deal says, I thought it was a blessing to have a cookie dough named after myself and the team we played. It's pretty funny, and I feel like it's going to be good for advertising. Good for you, Javon Bullard. You keep cracking, uh, cashing on those NIL deals, and we will keep around here celebrating the fact that Georgia beat Ohio State in the Peach Bowl. And if Ohio State's good enough to qualify to even be in this year's college football playoff, we believe Georgia's going to beat him again. All right, so with that said, let's shift gears and talk about something completely different here for a moment. So a very interesting tweet here over the weekend from an NFL reporter about uh, what has apparently been a very busy time as of late for former Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett now. Let me show you this on Twitter here uh, from Tom Pelissero, uh, who still for now has a blue check. We'll see if that disappears here soon. Uh, but nonetheless, Pelissero writing, one of the busiest NFL draft prospects since the Combine is Georgia quarterback Stetson and Bennett, whose schedule so far includes private visits and or workouts with 10 teams per sources. He says Bennett won consecutive national titles of the Bulldogs and was a Heisman finalist last season. So I think it's important to note here that there is a pre-draft conversation that this is not just true for Stetson Bennett, it's true for a lot of players where, you know, it's like, oh, NFL teams are thinking this or NFL teams are thinking that. And we have this like mirage of so-and-so's rising up the draft boards or falling down the draft boards. And oftentimes, this is just our own imagination about stuff like this that that there really isn't this uh, uh evolving conversation necessarily there are attempts to guess what nfl personnel men are going to do but ultimately that decision only comes once and it comes in april and certainly there are plenty of people who've kind of made a cottage in- industry uh, trying to tell you that there's something wrong or deficient about stetson bennett and somehow that 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 he's not an acceptable nfl draft prospect these people have been proven wrong over and over and over again no matter how many times they double down on their wrongness you know, obviously ahead of the NFL draft, it certainly seems like Stetson Bennett is a legitimate NFL draft prospect. And frankly, when it's all said and done, Bennett has a chance to be about as highly rated as or, you know, highly drafted as the Georgia quarterback has been in, you know, frankly, quite some time. And, you know, I, I think it has a potential as this kind of unfolds and takes place. I think there's a little bit of a potential here to kind of recast a little bit about how Georgia is viewed as a program when it comes to the quarterback position. And obviously of these 10 NFL teams that Bennett supposedly meeting with, if one of those, you know, teams were to take Bennett, you know, fourth round, maybe I guess third round's a remote possibility, but let's say more likely like a fourth round situation or something like that. Well, then at that point in time, I think it has a chance to kind of, as I said, recast Georgia as a program for quarterbacks moving forward here a little bit. As far as what these teams, though, are seeing when they look at Bennett, you know, Kirby Smart going back to Pro Day the other day was kind of asked about that. Hey, you know, where do you want to see improvement from Bennett? You know, you know, you know, the evaluation of Bennett now as an NFL draft prospect. Uh, this is what Kirby said about that at the time. 
Well, you know, decision making has been really good. He's shown improvement in those, but I don't think you pick one area and say, hey, he can prove in this area. He can prove in everything. What he has done is played at the highest level of college football for a lot of games, and he's played really well. And uh, I think that speaks volumes for himself. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately that's what it kind of comes down to is, listen, if I'm a – if I'm an NFL GM, it's all about the story you want to tell yourself because obviously no one knows any of these guys are going to you know perform once they get to the NFL level. It is a guessing game, even for the most expert you know expert minds, expert voices in this entire sport. There is still a certain guessing game around this, but it's about what story do you want to tell. And to me, it's a lot safer story to tell of hey, I bet on a guy who played well during games as a way of sort of trusting that guy with my franchise, not as one of your you know 32 starters necessarily but a guy that's on an nfl roster certainly it seems like stetson minutes on his way to doing that now off the top of the show i sort of said that you know some of the stuff that had been kind of done over the years comparing georgia to alabama some of that was probably a little overwrought some of that was probably a little too try hard in, in some respects trying to find a, a fit in a, in a in a match there that didn't necessarily exist but there is one element in this story that does kind of remind me about something from Alabama's past. You know, in a lot of ways, doesn't it sort of seem like that Stetson Bennett could prove to be Georgia's version of what A.J. McCarron once was at Alabama? A guy who, you know, as a multi-year starter on back-to-back national championship teams, certainly gave, at that time, the Crimson Tide a big performance on the field and then set up a scenario where the Alabama quarterback position was kind of recast for many years in the future because of what McCarron sort of got started. And then, you know, after McCarron, shortly after that, we're talking about Jalen Hurts. We're talking about, you know, Tua Tungo-Vailoa. We're talking about, you know, Bryce Young and Mac Jones in between that. We're talking about a very different level of quarterback prospect. And the guy who kind of punched in the ceiling and all of that and kind of reimagined what the quarterback position could be at that program, in some respects, was A.J. McCarron. And to me, this could really be the final chapter of Stetson Bennett's legacy at Georgia. I don't think anyone would have necessarily guessed or predicted that Bennett was going to be the guy to bring Georgia the success that that he brought the program. But on the heels of him doing what he did, I think he shows a proof of concept for what other quarterbacks could do. And the next one in line and all that may be one of the guys that's currently on the roster. Maybe it's Carson Beck, and then maybe after that it's a Brock Vandegrift or a Gunnar Stockton, or maybe the chatter that continues around Dylan Rayola about the about kind of the next generation of all this, a, a recruit, or you know, you know, maybe it's Ryan Puglisi coming down from Connecticut, whatever else. But following the Bennett story throughout the rest of this pre-draft process could be interesting. It certainly seems like that that Bennett is being treated as a legitimate future NFL quarterback by the men who are going to ultimately make this decision, and Bennett getting that kind of treatment sort of sets up a future where, hey, other Georgia quarterbacks may even be higher rated as prospects. Other Georgia quarterbacks may even break new ground in terms of where they're drafted. In the first round again, maybe eventually even there as well. When we all look back on that, we'll say, hey, a lot of that got started by Stetson Bennett, who had, had bigger numbers and more success than we were used to seeing Georgia quarterbacks have and kind of creating a level of possibility that existed for the guys that come after him. That could be a fun part of Stetson Bennett's legacy, and it could be playing out here this April. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, uh, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, and we are glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 945, first and 15. That's at dognation.com, Dog Nation app. So if you normally watch us on a different video platform and you want to tune in to see us, on the platform kind of right there on our own website or right there on our own app you can actually join us early special content for only those who join us via dognation.com or the dog nation app that's every morning at 9 45 
Uh, in fact, I don't even think that's archived anywhere. Once we do that, it, it's over. It just sort of disappears. It's like our own version of Snapchat, except it's not on Snapchat. But the point is, as we do that every morning at 945. Then after that, it's an all-skate. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch there at 10 a.m. Of course, radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref and as a podcast, wherever you find them, on the Apple Player, the Google Player, Spotify, WorldFamousDogNation.com. We try to make this podcast available just about anywhere we can so you can be a part of what we're doing here, and we really appreciate that. And, of course, our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia, they make that all possible there as well. Uh, of course, when it comes to energy-efficient windows and doors, that's the reason to know what Pella Window and Door of Georgia is all about. They make your house look better on the outside, feel better on the inside. You know, last night, uh, we had some storms run our house. Many of you did there as well. By the way, prayers for those, certainly in the state of Mississippi, who've dealt with a very serious version of this. Obviously, what we had at our home last night, nowhere near that serious. But it was, you know, loud enough that my son kind of woke up and uh, came downstairs. And so we're trying to, you know, just kind of watching the rain for a minute, looking out the window. And I'm thinking, boy, I sure am glad, you know, for, you know, for a home that kind of keeps all this rain and wind and stuff outside the house here. You don't want that getting in. But if you've got improperly fitted windows or if you've got just sort of inefficient, you know, old windows, it's probably time for an upgrade if you've got that rain kind of coming through the crevices and things like that, getting underneath the, the bottom of your door. Sometimes you have that kind of thing going on there. You want the outside to stay where it's supposed to be, the inside to be nice and comfortable the way it's supposed to be there as well. And that's what Pella Window and Door of Georgia is all about. So go ahead and have one of those no pressure consultations with one of those Pella experts. Let them walk you through the product line, the installation options, the financing options. They can even talk to you about special savings there as well, because between now and May 22nd, you can get 10% off your entire project or 0% APR for 24 months. So go see them in their experience center in Duluth or find them online at PellaofGA.com slash dognation. That's PellaofGA.com slash dognation. You can also give them a call 678-638-1429. That's 678 678- uh, six three eight fourteen twenty nine. Palo Window and Door of Georgia is viewed to be the best. All right, so uh, let's check in now before we talk to John Stinchcomb. Uh, speaking of offensive line, the position John Stinchcomb play. Georgia got some uh, good news on that front yesterday, adding a commitment to the class of twenty twenty four. His name is Malachi uh, Tolliver. He is six foot six, three hundred ten pounds. I think we have something that we can uh, show off for Mr. Tolliver on the screen here because yeah, there you go. Uh, good looking edit there. A uh, 6'3, 300 pounds. Nice looking uh, Dog Nation edit on that to celebrate all of that. Tolliver, who hails from up in the northwest part of the state, uh, says that Coach Serrells loves those northwest Georgia guys. That's where he played growing up in his day. That's how he believes he's going to win football games. I definitely feel like being up here is different from being anywhere else in Georgia. It's definitely different football up here. <laughs> I feel like that's going to affect on me. So listen, we like guys who love this state, who feel some, prou- some pride in all of this uh, with the estates that gives you something to like there he also says uh this is from the storydognation.com yesterday i try to be that guy in the field that's going to do anything to win the game give all the effort i feel like i believe in something the coach segros was talking to me about yesterday he said he doesn't look at rankings he just watches the film he doesn't care if you're a three star or two star or five star he wants guys that he believes that are fitted for georgia football he believes in me and he told me yesterday that he feels like that he feels that I can uh, help them win championships. I'm going to be a great football player, especially uh, when I'm here and then after I leave. So what Tolliver's kind of referencing there, once again, that's from the story dognation.com. You can read more about Malachi there at uh, dognation.com. What Tolliver's referencing there is, is compared to a lot of the recruits that Georgia brings in, he's not nearly as highly ranked. I think he's outside the top 900 nationally when it comes to a to a recruiting process here and there is a certain extent to which as offensive line coach Stacey Serrells has kind of trusted his own evaluations uh whereas 
you know, in the Sam Pittman days and maybe early Matt Luke, it seemed like all George was bringing in were kind of those elite, highly rated recruits in the Stacey Searles era. And in some cases, Searles has chosen to make a little bit different type of player evaluation. But the proof is in the pudding here for Coach Searles right now. Georgia's offensive line this past season played, I believe, the best football of anybody in the country. I think they should have won the Joe Moore Award. So if any coach, based on the performance on the field, has earned the right to make his own evaluation, I think Coach Searles is certainly an example of that. It's also fair to point out here that you know in some respects guys that are working their way towards playing time in Georgia oftentimes the guys who are doing that end up being some of the types of players like uh, Tolliver says he is a guy that's willing to come in here and work hard and kind of outperform what his recruiting ranking was isn't that kind of what we're being told Austin Blasky might be doing right now so so certainly uh, a program like Georgia where obviously you don't get to be a national champion certainly a back-to-back national champion if you aren't bringing in a bunch of elite recruits, and in some respects, Georgia's got young elite offensive linemen waiting the wings there too. Ernest Green may eventually be a starter this season. Uh, you know, a guy like Monroe Freeling is certainly competing for playing time. Those were the kind of elite recruits that you expect Georgia to be coming after. But when Georgia's also chosen to make its own evaluation, trust its own evaluation, and bring a player in, oftentimes a lot of those players prove to be diamonds in the rough, and maybe that's exactly what Tolliver's going to be there as well. So we'll congratulate him for showing up at UGA, working out for coaches, kind of participating in a little bit of an on-campus visit, getting the green light to go out there and make a public commitment to the dogs, and obviously Tolliver does that. So uh, pretty clearly he impressed who he needed to impress to put himself in the uh, presence of this 2024 class here right now. So good news for him today and good news for Georgia as it adds an offensive lineman to its 2024 class. Pretty interesting stuff across the board on that. Now, speaking of the offensive line, a guy who knows so much more about this kind of stuff than I do is our buddy uh, John Stinchcomb. He's a former UGA All-American. Obviously, he works out and trains a lot of the offensive linemen right now who are hoping to be in the NFL draft. That's something that John's been doing for a good number of years there as well uh just a great guy doing great stuff and so we'll get ready to bring john stinchcomb onto the program today now before we are done also we're gonna have some fun with this over the course of the weekend there were a good number of georgia fans who involved me in a pretty big celebration for something that really had very little to do with football what was that we will tell you about that here coming up but before that uh in spring practice georgia adds an offensive line commit and just exactly what kind of prospect could stetson bennett be for the nfl and what would it mean for uh, georgia if he did kind of break a little bit of a ceiling for this program in terms of that next level we'll talk to john stinchcomb but all that right now we call this a marlowe's tavern insider update great to have him and all of you with us here today From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So John Stinchcomb is here. It's a Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. And before we kind of get into our conversation here today, I haven't really had a chance to talk to our audience yet. Last week was a little bit of a weird week for us. I haven't really had a chance to talk to our audience yet. About a great time that John and I had. You know, we we, we told you we're going to do this like VIP insider lunch type thing where some folks are going to come have a great lunch at Marlowe's. And we're going to talk some football and just going to hang out and have, have a good time. We actually did this last week. And I guess it was exactly, was it exactly a week ago? Uh, no, it's Tuesday. Last Tuesday is when we did this. Uh, John, this was so much fun. What a great time this was. A uh, great group of Georgia fans on hand for that. Really people that kind of traveled in from, you know, Augusta and Columbus and, you know, places like that. We had a lot of folks from kind of outside the Atlanta area who were some of our winners here drove over to be a part of this. I, I thought it was a great time and a great collection of Georgia fans for it. I appreciated your participation and it was great to be able to break a little bread with you i enjoyed it it was a great meal uh obviously marlo's does a great job of feeding you but 
what was what was so fun is being with the fans and actually talking some Georgia football and hearing what was on their mind. And I can only hope that they had as good of a time as we did. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, that is indeed the case. And obviously plenty of football for us to talk about here today. Georgia did get an offensive line commit yesterday. It's Malachi Tolliver. And, you know, John, this is one of those things where we just read a quote from Tolliver a moment ago. You know, he is not a highly rated recruit necessarily. Georgia obviously mostly pursues elite recruits from a ranking standpoint. That's not really what Tolliver is. But uh, Tolliver earned the right to go public with his commitment. Stacey Sarles, because the way the Georgia offensive line played last year, has seemingly earned the right to make whatever talent evaluation choice he wants to make. Pretty clearly the proof is in the pudding here right now. So what do you make, I guess, the fact that, that Georgia kind of goes outside its type here in terms of four and five star type prospects to bring in a guy that impressed coach Sarles and impressed you know this Georgia staff and kind of an in-person situation here and saying hey you know we're going to put guys out there that want to fight and want to play football and if we think they're right for us then we're not going to pay too much attention to whatever the recruiting rankings might be if anybody's earned the right to do that it would seem like it's Georgia on the heels of back-to-back national championships right no no absolutely and I, I hope fans realize that uh, coaching staffs across the country aren't waiting for rivals and 24-7 to come out with uh, their rankings of players to figure out who they're going to recruit. I mean, they, they spend a heck of a lot of time um, in, in the back rooms and with a, a number of staff identifying the players that fit what they're looking for. And it's it, it often corresponds with the evaluations made by some of these national recruiting sites and sometimes it doesn't. I think you can look back at Lad McConkey and Stetson as guys that they weren't high on many radars, and, and Georgia was able to go out and get Lad. But even offensive line-wise, a guy like Solomon Kinley, who didn't come in with five stars like the rest of his class and was a, a big contributor and went on to, to play in the NFL. So um, I think Georgia has figured out a, a way to identify guys that they want to seek out and, and can help the program. And uh, I have complete faith that, that they're doing so. And Malachi Tolliver is another guy that fits in what they're looking to do. I've watched some of his film, and, and you can see pretty quickly that you know, he's got some uh, amazing flexibility for a man his size and, and good technique. And uh, you see some of the ingredients for, for what you're looking for in a player that can make that step to this next level. So let me ask you this, John, because I do high school football games each and every week, and you know Tolliver goes to a great Cartersville program. That's really one of the winningest programs in the entire state, uh, certainly in the last you know couple decades at least. He's 6'3", 300 pounds, I think. But there are plenty of guys who kind of come close to matching those measurables, and they don't get time of day from Georgia or any other SEC program there as well. Like just being big alone is is not – you know, enough and frankly you know georgia recruits a lot of offensive linemen who are even you know far bigger than, than 300 pounds at 6-3 for malachi tolliver so what is that thing that you know and you're a guy that trains offensive linemen you obviously you know yourself were, were a pretty high rated a very highly rated prospect coming out of high school and went on an nfl career there as well what's the thing that makes a 300 pounder an sec level offensive line prospect in other words you walk onto a football field what would be that thing that says, "Oh, this guy is in a different category of other guys his size"? Is there is size? Is is there a a, a quick thing that would uh, would uh, differentiate that? Like, what would be the, the easiest way to explain what would cause a guy <laughs> like this to stand out from everybody else? Yeah, I, I think it's athleticism. I think you're looking for not only are you a big body or, or a frame that can hold weight, but also can you move? Uh, there's plenty of folks that 
you know, you watch on Friday nights that they're big, but they don't have the athleticism to, to move that big old frame around. And what jumps out at you, and we've done this in the past when we just kind of evaluate guys that have signed with Georgia, is when you watch their film, how agile they are and their ability to, to play in space. And I, I think the, the second piece of that is the dog that they have in them. You know, do they have that aggressive nature where they're finishing folks? And, you know, it, not every Friday night are you going up against somebody that's going to be playing in the SEC or, or get drafted or uh, signed to a team, a big program, Power 5 program. So, you know, how, how do they take on those matchups as well? I think you're – you're looking for dominance at time and that mentality that, um, you know, you're, you're enforcing your will against the opponent. And um, I think those are the two things in addition to just, hey, he's big, that uh, really separate the, the wheat from the chaff, if you will, as it comes to big bodies that are playing in high school football. So you were considered to be a very athletic offensive lineman. We were talking the other day at uh, Marlowe's uh, at lunch but the fact that you had a very impressive NFL scouting performance. In fact, a scouting combine performance. In fact, our buddy Mike Griffith wrote about this when he was kind of comparing the current Georgia players to previous Georgia performance in the combine that you had done very well at the NFL scouting combine. So when it comes to improving your own athleticism and offensive lineman, what would you say – was the most important thing for you was it attention to detail during drill work was it making sure hey i'm a big guy but i can't get too big like you know in other words you know kind of paying attention to your weight and things like that what was like i guess the key factor for you in making sure you maintain the highest level of athleticism while also being big enough to kind of get in there in the trenches and do the hand-to-hand combat that that being an offensive line in the sec requires yeah, I'm going to give you two contrasting stories, and, and I think I've got the uh, expertise to, to share in this because I'm, I'm talking about myself and my brother. But when Matt was a senior in high school, he was 320, and it was a high school 320. So yeah. he spent most of his freshman year peeling that weight off and putting on uh, muscle in, instead of just weight, uh, as many high schoolers do. You know, they they like, oh, to play big-time football, I've got to be big, and so they just add weight. Yeah. Um, and you get to school and you realize, man, I, I've got to make sure it's the right kind of weight. And for me, it was a little bit different where I probably had the athleticism, but I didn't have as much weight. So I spent a lot of my time uh, especially my redshirt years, I was learning from behind Matt and Chris Terry um, and Jonas that uh, you have to have the muscle. You, you can't just be able to move and, and have technique, but you also need the, the mass to stop some of those guys and nightmares that you're going to come across on a Saturday afternoon. So, um, again, there's not one recipe that – uh, works for everybody. It's universal. For me, I was, I, I needed to add weight and, and get heavier and not sacrifice athleticism. And there's some players that, that have the weight, but probably need to make sure it's the right kind so that it's not at the detriment of their athleticism. So a couple different routes there doesn't always have to be the same one. Uh, but you're still looking for that combo, which is it's, it's hard to find a uh, good balance of you've got the weight, you've got the mass, uh, but you're also able to, to move around with it. I was talking before you join us, but the fact that it seems like Stetson Bennett right now is getting a 
decent level of attention from these NFL draft scouts. It seems like Stetson has a chance to be, you know, about as highly rated as, you know, George, highly drafted, I should say, as a Georgia quarterback has been in, in quite some time. And John, I would certainly root for Stetson to have that become true. Obviously, kind of, you know, capital, you know, kind of putting a punctuation mark on what has been uh, an incredibly successful Georgia career. But I think there's also a degree to which this could really unlock a level of achievement for Georgia moving forward where, hey, you know, Georgia has a very good chance of having a great starting quarterback here this year, whether it's Carson Beck or one of the younger guys vying to compete with him. There's a chance that Georgia may get a five-star quarterback this year and Dylan Riella to go along with, uh, uh, you know, Ryan Puglisi, who's already committed, who a lot of folks really like there as well, that that Bennett's success, both in terms of better stats than Georgia quarterbacks have had in quite some time, maybe a pretty high draft pick here mid-round as a possibility, I, I would say, that all of a sudden you kind of recast how you think about the, the, the Georgia program and the quarterback position and maybe Georgia kind of goes on one of these runs kind of like Alabama's gone on where a guy like A.J. McCarron gets it started but then after that you're talking about the Jalen Hurts the Tua Tungavailoas and the and the Mac Jones and the Bryce Youngs where you know eventually quarterback position looks like every other position in terms of the kind of success that it produces it seems like Bennett really has the chance to be the catalyst that starts a lot of that for a UGA and John the best I can tell is the NFL draft could could really accentuate that yeah, I, I think there's two two topics here. One is uh, Stetson and, and his evaluation or the NFL's evaluation of him, and, and will he get the shot that I think he's earned and, and to be in that discussion of uh, viable starting potentially quarterbacks in the NFL. What he was able to do in the college ranks uh, was in spite of uh, his recruitment and his uh, perception by by college teams. I think even Georgia would be the first to acknowledge they didn't identify him as having the chops to, to play the way that he did, and he had to exceed that. Now, and the NFL has got a chance to <laughs> re- reassess, right, based on a, a new body of work. And what, what Stetson's put out there for the past two years has uh, been nothing short of exceptional. You led your team to two back-to-back national championships. Uh, at times, the team was relying heavily on on him to create and make plays and opportunities for the offense to uh, get back in the game specifically in, in the Peach Bowl comes to mind, and he did so and ex- passed those tests with flying colors. So for him, I think it's a, a, a chance to reset those expectations and I think that will be reflected in and where he's drafted at the end of April uh, for Georgia uh, the number one recruiter for all players is winning and I think you look at uh, that first but you also look at how you're possibly going to be used when you go to the the school that that you're evaluating and assessing as to whether or not uh, it's a good fit for you, and I do think that that Stetson has raised the bar there. That the expectations from when he got there to when he left of of what a quarterback can provide for the offense um, has been accelerated. And you say, okay, well, this is certainly a, a, a potential landing spot for a higher level, higher caliber player coming out of high school I, I i'd also say it, you know i think this is the point that you're trying to drive at it doesn't hurt when uh, your predecessor is is getting drafted and you can see that he was developed along his during his time at georgia he's not the same player when he got there as when he left and 
I think all players are looking for that opportunity. I want to be able to get better. I want to take my skills from where they're at to uh, playing at a much higher level and uh, be able to do so in, on the field um, and show that, that I've got the chops for you know professional play, which I guess is you know, the, the driving force for most athletes these days coming out of high school is they're looking for a platform to springboard them into a, a professional career. And the more guys in your position that you can look back and say, wow, they've got a, a pretty strong track record, the better. And uh, Stetson can certainly kick that off um, or at least restart it. Uh, in, in a very special way. I want to ask you about Georgia spring practice here in a moment. Prior to that, let me remind you, this is our Dog Nation insider here, John Stinchcomb, joining us as part of our Marlowe's Tavern insider update. And, of course, you can't be a Dog Nation insider the way that John Stinchcomb is probably, but you can be a Marlowe's Tavern insider. In fact, we all can. Uh, I am. You can be one there as well. And it's really simple to join. You go to Marlowe'sTavern.com and find out about this. It's also free to join there as well. Become a member of the Marlowe's Tavern Insider Club. Now, just for doing so, as a special incentive, you're going to get $10 off your $30 purchase right there at Marlowe's Tavern. Then after that, you're in the Insider Club and you go to Marlowe's and earn what are called qualified visits. Now, a qualified visit is anytime you spend $15 on food or beverage there at Marlowe's, that counts as a qualified visit. Now, once you get four of these qualified visits, you're going to receive a complimentary entree reward up to $20 on your next visit there to uh, Marlowe's uh, Tavern, including the one right there in your neighborhood there as well. It's free to join, as I said, and a great way to enjoy the chef-inspired food and the craft cocktails, all the things that make the Marlowe's Tavern famous. So enjoy this today. Go to Marlowe'sTavern.com to find out more about that. That is Marlowe'sTavern.com to find out more about that. All right, John, let me kind of finish with this sort of broadly on spring practice where it seems like you're kind of hearing a couple different things right now. The Georgia offense kind of getting acclimated to change. Mike Bobo's kind of instilling a, a new system. Or I should say it's completely new, but there's obviously a new voice leading the Georgia offense at the very least. Clearly a new starting quarterback. It sounds like that competition has been kind of fun to watch here thus far. You're kind of getting used to life without guys like Darnell Washington. So on the one hand, you've got some change on offense. And on the other side, on defense, you've got the emergence of some playmakers where it sounds like there's an interesting competition going on at cornerback opposite Kamari Laster that eventually the Georgia outside linebacker is going to show themselves to be a little bit different kind of category of player than maybe they were a year ago. Um, you know, some new faces kind of populating the defensive line here too, obviously, with guys like Jalen Carter not being here anymore. So I guess I'm kind of curious, which side of the ball is more interesting to you, the emerging playmakers there on defense or the adjustment to change on offense? Which side of the ball do you find to be more interesting for Georgia right now this spring? <laughs> Don't make me pick. I'm <laughs> excited about both. Uh, you know, obviously that quarterback battle is, is a big one. And I think yeah, what's, what's really, I, I, I think, a blessing for Georgia is that there is no, no opportunity for complacency. There's no... On either side of the ball, it's not like, oh man, this is just a uh, a practice that is mandated but not necessary. And, and right now, you've got a new offensive coordinator. You're replacing pieces. Competition is high. You're trying to impress Coach Bobo on the offensive side and replace pieces on defense and and say, you know, I I want this opportunity that's available and and here's the reason why you should be thinking about me in this place that's a good thing it's not always the case uh when you return as many guys as georgia does um, but because of the competition because of the standard that's been set and 
because of the opportunities, I think this makes for a, a, a fun spring practice. And it's by fun, I mean competitive. Sure. Guys are, are wanting to get out there and, and compete. So offensively, defensively, if I had to pick, I'm, uh, I'm more interested to see how holes are filled on the defensive side of the ball. I want to see what happens at outside linebacker. I want to see what happens what, trying to replace a, a, a Keeley Ringo on the back end and what we look like at safety after Chris Smith. So, um, D line without Jalen Carter, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of pieces that we started to see towards the end of the year, uh, with, you know, like guys like Bear Alexander and, I mean, there's there's some names that you think most likely are going to fill those roles, but what does that look like if if you press my feet to the fire and say which side would I have more intrigue on? I think it's the defense. I think um, I, I feel more comfortable with where the offense is at right now than um, and, and with some certainty of of certain places, with the exception of quarterback as to how that's probably going to look in the fall and I think there's probably a little more uh, haze as to what it's going to really look like on the defensive side of ball for Georgia. John great conversation love being able to do that with you each week here on a part of our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update we appreciate your insight hope you have a great week and uh, look forward to uh, getting a chance to uh, talk to you again here soon hopefully it'll be sooner rather than later before we're sitting down at Marlowe's having another lunch together there as well. I look forward to it, BA. I'll actually uh, I'll be with you later this week. As uh, it sounds like we might be hosting some folks on site uh, on Thursday. Yeah, so. looking forward to that. It's going to be a great time. Yeah, yeah. going to be a great time. Good stuff, BA. Appreciate you. Go dogs. Thank you, John. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, good conversation there with John Stinchcomb, especially when it comes to the intrigue about spring practice. All this leading up to G Day on April fifteenth. Uh, I thought that. Uh, uh, George had an awesome release the other day, kind of a brand new G Day logo. I don't have to show it to you, but it's really cool. Kind of like the old school sports pennant with a very kind of a classic font around that. That was a great look. I hope they kind of keep this for G Day moving forward. I would love, I would love that. Um, there's some, there's some cool old like G Day stuff in the past. Like I know that, you know, just you know, over the course of years, like you know, G Day programs, things like that. That sometimes that kind of creates, you know, kind of a nice collectible type thing. So. I think this would be kind of a fun thing to sort of make as the G-Day logo going forward. And, of course, I guess a lot of you also kind of wondering about those G-Day tickets. To my knowledge, we have not had an announcement yet about when G-Day tickets might become available, whether they'll be free or there'd be some sort of price for them. I guess they were $5 a year ago. And so around, I think it was around this time a year ago, uh, almost exactly on this date when, when George, I think, released its G-Day ticket information last year. So we may hear something about G-Day tickets this week and about how you might be able to get them keep in mind a good bit of stadium construction here right now so in in some form or fashion that's likely to have some impact on how your g-day experience goes if you remember the national championship celebration that entire side of the stadium is the south side i always get the directions confused but the uh, south side of the stadium was kind of off limits because of the um the stadium construction you'll remember they kind of configured the stage uh, differently for this event uh, this year than it was for the championship celebration in 2021 because of that. So my guess is it'll only be about a half house type availability for G Day. You'll have everybody sitting on that opposite side over there. But we should, I, if I had to guess, I bet we'll hear something about G Day tickets this week. We may even hear about those in the next 24 hours. If we don't, I'll try to find out 
what's going on there on that. But my guess is we should hear something here coming up there pretty soon. Uh, let's get ready to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. It was fun for me over the weekend. Um, you know, when you get to be about a month out or something like that, you got to sort of officially register, you know, kind of get signed in for your cruise. And so I spent some time on Saturday night kind of getting registered for the Dog Nation cruise and, you know, you know, getting all that kind of squared away, just some of those final sort of you know, kind of paperwork type details. And it just gets me excited because we are now inside of a month for the uh, Dog Nation cruise. And I know so many of you are going to be on board with us. We're excited about that there as well. And I wish we could take everybody because I know we've had a lot of calls here lately about it. last minute opportunities, things like that. I wish we could get everybody on the ship with this Independence the Seas that wants to be there. But the next best thing is, is taking the excitement that maybe you've had about us talking about this and taking your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. Jessica Slater is a great travel agent. She can help you with all this. You can give her a call 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. If you want to take a you know four night sailing like we're going to be doing on Independence of the Seas, you want a weekend three night sailing, you can do that there as well. You want to do like I did in February and take a seven-night sailing. You can do that, too. Jessica Slater, a great travel agent, help you with all of that. Royal Caribbean's got so many great options for you there as well of you know things you can take advantage of and experiences you can enjoy. And I can tell you, this is a great time to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. So go ahead and get your travel booked up. Be ready to go on that. For those of you who are going to be with us this uh, upcoming April, can't wait to see you on board. As we drive down to Port Canaveral, and at least I'm driving, drive down to Port Canaveral, get on board Independence of the Seas, go to NASA on the Bahamas, perfect day, Coco Cay. What a time that is going to be. Now, speaking of having a good time, Georgia fans were also having a good time this weekend there as well, but it was for things that had very little to do with football. It was about basketball. It was the Alabama Crimson Tide, the number one overall seed in the NCAA men's basketball tournament, and yet they have met an unceremonious conclusion of their basketball season, getting bounced out of the tourney by San Diego State. And a lot of you are reaching out to me to share in Alabama's misery. Uh, we take joy in that. I want to show you a couple of these here. <laughs> to give you an example of how georgia fans are now i'll admit this is not the prettiest uh you know graphic design work here i just sort of slapped these on the screen uh but nonetheless tim grubb writing in to say some long drinks are going to be consumed tonight hashtag alabama lost tim you are so right about that we definitely toasted that james lawson writes in to say how about them aztecs obviously a reference to san diego state anthony white giving you some laughing emojis about alabama going down keith pitt saying that the bama basketball program was in the wrong place, the wrong time. <laughs> a reference to Nate Oates, uh, uh, you know, choice of words related to the Brandon Miller situation. So a lot of Georgia fans having a lot of fun with this. In fact, we're not done uh, making fun of Alabama for its basketball loss. We'll do some more of that here coming up in just a moment. I don't mind telling you, obviously, we can never be sure of what someone's state of mind is, and uh, this can only be speculation. But listen, I don't mind speculating with you. I think as happy as Georgia fans are about Alabama losing in basketball, I think Nick Saban's probably pretty happy too. Uh, I don't think Nick Saban wanted to see somebody else kind of join him on that national championship perch at Alabama. So he'll never admit it. This is the kind of thing he might even recognize. You don't really recognize jealousy in the mirror very much. But uh, I think he may have been a little jealous of Alabama's basketball success. That's why he said some of the things this month that he said. But now he has very little to worry about in that. And I guess now we sort of look ahead to a Final Four that, my gosh, I mean – we were sort of told coming into this by some of the people who follow college basketball the closest that this could be the wildest tournament we've seen. It could be more wide open that the level of dominance of the top ranked teams, maybe with the exception of Alabama, just wasn't as high as we've come to expect and that almost anything could happen. Well, you sort of see that. And this is one of those things where 
when one or two of the one seeds go down, it kind of creates a little bit of a compound effect where all of a sudden after that, anything can happen because you have a series of random events taking place, uh, basketball games being played by relatively evenly matched teams. And so ultimately, you've kind of got this chaos Final Four here because of the fact that so many of the top teams went down. And there's going to be this attempt to say, well, why is this? What happened? What creates you know this wide open unpredictable final four and you know oftentimes you know things are just sort of things that that sometimes there isn't an easy explanation for that that this could be just as simple as well once one or two of the one seeds lost all of a sudden that created an opportunity for sort of more random things to take place because this year's dominant teams just were not as dominant as they've been in the past and some people may, may maybe want to try to sort of subscribe to sort of meaning to that I'm not quite so sure there necessarily is there might be but it's not obvious that there is uh, all we know is is that most brackets completely busted, and uh, most people will be tuning in this upcoming w- weekend to watch a Final Four that is very, very different than they ever imagined it would have been. Back to the subject of football here for a moment. So there was a very interesting story at ESPN.com a couple of days ago involving Lane Kiffin and what appears to me to be spin control by Kiffin trying to explain away his flirtation with Auburn at the end of last season and the acknowledgement of something that I think was obviously true, which is by the end of last year, Ole Miss folks were not happy with Elaine Kiffin at all. And, you know, Kiffin is like the most willing source for everything that ESPN ever does, you know, whether it be, you know, an interview with himself about himself or an interview talking about somebody else. You know, you know, Lane Kiffin is just, you know, sort of Mr. Media, especially at ESPN. And so I would say in exchange for his access, Kiffin gets pretty favorable coverage by ESPN. This has been true, you know, for for quite some time. And this is an example of this ESPN essentially becoming a mouthpiece to kind of explain Lane Kiffin's reasoning for kind of how he handled the situation and the rumors connecting him to the Auburn job a year ago. So this is some of the quotes, and this is kind of interesting if you're a Georgia fan because you play Ole Miss this year. Ole Miss is coming into Athens later on this season about Kiffin and his decision-making around this, the fact that he didn't put the fire out on the idea that he could go to Auburn. Kiffin says, we screw up all the time, but when you think you're doing the right thing and then you get really criticized for it, especially by your own people, I struggle with that because I feel like I went through a decision-making process that you're supposed to go through. I mean, you got to decide. It's your life and your family's life. He then goes on to say in this story about, you know, basically people being mad at him for almost going to Auburn and not, you know, letting that that rumor die down. says, I felt like it would have been a distraction to make this big statement 24 hours before the game and making it about me. So I thought I was doing the right thing by saying, okay, I'm going to avoid making this about me. You, You guys go play. But just so you know, you don't have to sit here and worry that your coach is leaving tomorrow after the game or something. I'm staying. I just haven't made it known publicly. I told them thinking uh, that's what obviously matters the most because we lost. It wasn't done right. If we won, nobody would have cared. That's the thing, though, is that you, know, you can be, you know, Mr. Cute social media guy and constantly be talking about other people's jobs, continually flirting with Tennessee on social media for reasons that are beyond bizarre to me, uh, allowing this Auburn thing to kind of grow and fester without without stamping it out. You know, the idea that he didn't think it would be the right thing to, to bring that to an end. Um, I mean, I just don't know anybody who buys that. This is this is Elaine Kiven by all appearances that wanted to keep every option open and available to him and as long as he's the hot name in coaching that's all fine and good when you go out and lose the egg bolt and averages grits mississippi state team all of a sudden every choice that you make is going to be called into question and i think the old mess people were absolutely right in not being happy with him about that you know for kiffin to sort of use this old miss job as some sort of springboard to 
you know, flirt with whatever job he wants and consider taking whatever job he wants and then decide the last minute, uh, maybe I'll just stay at Ole Miss, you know, for the convenience of it, whatever else. They seem to be willing to tolerate, you know, a pretty lackluster effort at recruiting. And, you know, maybe he realizes a place like Auburn, that's not going to be acceptable. Whatever Kiffin's ultimate reasoning is, the Ole Miss fans, the Ole Miss boosters, maybe more importantly here too, or the Ole Miss, you know, administrators, key decision makers, they have a right to ask more from Kiffin than what they've gotten. And, you know, I, I would say that when it comes to outlets like ESPN, I said a moment ago, Kiffin does get a pretty big free pass from national types like this because he is so accessible to them. Therefore, they treat him kindly. And they don't ask tough questions about you know him and some of the things in his past that I think probably should be examined a little bit more closely than they have been. So uh, I think it's time for Lane Kiffin to, to demonstrate, do you want to be a serious person or not? You know, do you want to be a funny man on social media or do you want to be a coach that actually builds a career about something other than a famous last name? Do you want to build your own legacy as a coach or not? And I think it's about time for him to demonstrate how serious he wants to take himself and how seriously he expects other people to take him. Because his actions at the end of last season, flirting with the Auburn job, creating some sort of, you know, feud with somebody who, you know, reported on that scenario, those are not the actions of a serious person. And so I think it'll be interesting to see moving forward just how serious uh lane kiffin does take himself and what he can do to kind of i guess put himself back in the good graces with the old miss community because i think they have a right to not be happy with him uh one final sec story to get to here for a moment uh, i saw where eli drink was on a radio show the other day he was on that uh greg mcelroy and cole kublik radio show in birmingham and uh he was talking about the missouri quarterback competition and you've had the situation where last year starter connor cook's been injured uh you've got jay garcia who's transferred in and you've got sam horn the former collins hill quarterback who's there who also has not been a full participant in spring practice because of baseball injury and a couple of things here uh, speaking of Ole miss kind of on this too is that you see a couple of situations in the sec where there is an incumbent starter in a competition and i think it's probably safe to say that it's the wish of the program that the incumbent starter not win the starting job here this year I think at Ole Miss, that's true for Jackson Dart. I think they brought in Spencer Sanders to win that competition. And at Missouri, I think the same thing's true there as well, where Cook was the starter a year ago, but Missouri didn't really get effective quarterback play. And so, therefore, that's why a guy like Jay Garcia, formerly of Miami, is there at Missouri. I think that Missouri fans probably should be and are rooting for Garcia. I think that deep down, Eli Drinkwitz probably is uh, doing that there as well. So, in the case of Spencer Sanders at Ole Miss, we'll see if he can beat out Jackson Dart to give Ole Miss a better level of quarterback play than it had a year ago. And for Missouri, who still got Luther Burden, he didn't leave. He, I guess, took some NIL money and stayed there in, in, in Columbia. You know, can they find a quarterback more capable of getting in the football than Cook proved to be a year ago? And in the case of Horn, I think that Horn's a great athlete, but he has not been able to be a full participant in spring practice because of a baseball injury. And to hear you know, Eli Drinkwitz this spring have to talk about you know Horn and the fact that his injury took place away from football, playing a different sport. And at one point in time, it seemed like Drinkwitz wasn't even fully aware of all the details on that. It's hard to imagine Kirby Smart, the Georgia coach, ever having that conversation. Hard to imagine Kirby Smart ever, you know, just kind of, hey, it is what it is about a player getting hurt playing another sport. And, you know, this is relevant because we see from time to time these elite football prospects who also have their own interest in baseball and things like that you know Alabama took Dylan Lonergan out of uh, Brookwood that's a, a baseball player there's been some discussion about Deuce Robinson in Georgia the kind of lane the remaining lone name from the class of 2023 he's kind of also got some baseball interest there too you know there are some programs who are seeming, seemingly more willing to kind of embrace the two sport type thing but a place like Georgia and a league like the SEC where football asks so much from you 
truly be the two sports star and be able to be as good a football player as you need to be i'm just not quite so sure how often that's going to work out i would say it may never work out at a place like georgia where the demands and the and the the, the challenges are just so high so interesting to see eli Drinkwitz talking about some of that here uh this off season we will make that cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and as we wrap up here today uh to go back to the uh, thing that georgia fans were enjoying from the weekend alabama losing in basketball the number one seed going down the sec embarrassment in some respects because of some of the negative attention alabama's gotten coming to an end georgia fans certainly having plenty of fun with this including our buddy mike the mad dog here as part of a golden shoe here today i think this is really funny he writes in to say a familiar face was spotted among the san diego state basketball fans hashtag golden shoe so you see some aztec fans they got their jerseys on they're holding up their uh, signs and things like that and lo and behold who do you see right there nick saban right there in the middle of the aztec student section holding up a sign that says alabama's a football school <laughs> very funny from mad dog and very well done indeed we'll give him a golden shoe for that these days florida's not a football school a basketball school or really any kind of school not much of a school period uh, in 215 days from now they get beat down again at the hands of the georgia bulldogs that is our gator hater countdown we'll see you tomorrow at dog nation daily presented by pella window and door of georgia